0: There we are. Welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, good. Good to have you back on the podcast, AC. Um, So we were just talking a little bit about uh, characters. Um, We didn't get to it last time we spoke. um, But here uh, in Xenogears, there's a pretty memorable cast of characters. Uh, Do you have a favorite? And uh, if so, or if not, either way, I'm curious why.
1: Yeah, well, there are are several characters that stand out, but I think uh, Krellian has been my favorite for a while. Cool. How come? Um, Well, I didn't like him originally, but uh, then I just sort of, the more I I replayed the game, the more I sort of realized how he was sort of... uh, He's like this very sort of low, low-ranking character, sort of just like a, a lamb. He he wasn't born with a specific destiny, mm-hmm. and yet he managed by by his own intellect and power to really sort of f- figure out what's going on and and even transcend to this higher dimension towards the end.
0: Yeah, I I never actually got to the very end of this game when I played it. Um, like a decade ago or whenever, like I don't know, when I last played this game, but I didn't beat the game. And I didn't beat the game the first time I played it either, uh, when it first came out. So I know that he is one of the final bosses, if not the final boss in the game. No, um, no,
1: no, he's but, not, he's not a boss at all, you, you, well, really? you never even fight, or, or, or perhaps I'm spoiling this. No, uh, no, you, please you,
0: explain, explain, I thought you were one of actually, the final bosses.
1: So you never actually beat the game?
0: Mm-mm. It was too hard for me as a kid.
1: Uh, well, I don't think I want to spoil it too much, but uh, that's another thing. I I sort of liked uh, the way he handled the character. He he never, you know, he he gave the character some dignity by not uh, just making some kind of boss fight with him.
0: Ah, interesting.
1: So he, so he is sort of he is uh, he is a bit removed, perhaps. Uh, some people have complained that. Uh, because we don't really learn that much about him, but uh, well, that's part of what's making what's, what makes him interesting. You really have to pick up on the subtle details, okay, uh, uh, of the character.
0: Um, I, I, I only... he may... no, uh, go ahead. no, you uh, Well, I only just encountered him on this playthrough that I'm doing now. Um, he appears in the game. Uh, when you go to the, uh, the sea area, Aquavy, um, and he's there, um, as a kind of, uh, in the background of the ethos organization is when he first appears. Um, and he's on that ship, right. That they call the fishbowl, um, yeah. that attacks the Thames. Um, so he, he appears to be, uh, a, an adversary, at least at the beginning here, um, do, is that the first time his name appears in the game? Have I got that right? Yeah, I, I think
1: they mention him. They mentioned that he is uh, on his way there, and then you f- you first see him on board the bridge of that ship. That's correct. Right. He's the last, He is the last villain to be introduced. Okay. I don't okay. think he's the last character to be introduced. Uh, you, you still get introduced to Ellie's parents. I, I'm thinking of the characters with uh, 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 facial portraits.
0: Right, right.
1: I, uh, those I consider to be the main characters, so to speak.
0: That seems right to me, yeah. And and some of them are playable, some are not. Some are friends, some are foes. Um, but that does seem like a good way to distinguish who's sort of the main storyline characters from who's just uh, extra in there. I, I think Krellian is very interesting. I know his, um, his name, at least, comes from the Arthur C. Clarke book, uh, Childhood's End. Yeah. yeah
1: it was uh, takashi's favorite character and
0: and so in, in that, that book, book, yeah he's a um he's an extraterrestrial um uh, hyper intelligent uh he you never see him um directly in the story right he's like very mysterious and so i can see some elements of that at least uh about Krellion's uh, character in xenogears um what what are some other Elements that you can tell me without spoiling too much, since I haven't got to the end yet.
1: About the Krellian. Yeah. Well, uh, you should look out for uh, how uh, how they portray him. Sometimes as um, how he sort of shifts his personality. Sometimes he appears to be this sort of mad uh, mad scientist, <laughs> and, all, and other and other times he he sort of he is quite calm and rational. And uh, there's also uh, very subtle references to him caring for human beings. Okay. So he has to, a part of his character is this sort of ruthlessness. And another part is uh, he, uh, that he supposedly cares for humanity, that he is trying to sa- save them in his own way.
0: Okay. So, a kind of uh, tough love uh, from uh, oh, okay, yes. so, a bit like the yeah. He's uh,
1: he sort of like a darker version of uh, of in uh, the uh, childhood's end. They are both trying to, you know, they are overseeing humanity, trying to, they, they don't believe that humanity will, will evolve on their own if left to their own, uh, own devices.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So, um,
1: but he's sort of like a, a darker version.
0: Yeah, that's okay. So I mean, his association with the Wells or the Reapers uh certainly gives you that impression um and and the whole sort of unmasking of what's going on in the Ethos organization um is is really pretty <laughs> pretty awful, pretty horrible. Um yeah. but that that part of the game um is, is pretty much the extent of what I remember well about this game. Like, I remember the story pretty well up until um, the events there in the Thames, and then down in Zeboim, uh, the excavation um, of the nanotechnology colony uh, that has the form of a, a girl with, with green hair. Um, we yeah. learn more about her later. Um, and then you climb What's called Babel Tower, and you arrive at the city of Shivat, one of the two floating cities. yeah <laughs> that's the that's the midpoint, you could say. yes. and that is the point, like I say, where i that's I have distinct memories of playing the game um certain th- moments from past that point, but but I really don't remember the story very well once you get as far as shivat um it it all kind of becomes a blur at that point so so we'll probably just stick to things before that for this conversation and then hopefully by the time i uh get to the end of the game we can have another conversation and and go over it properly but uh but yeah so up until that midpoint um some of the memorable things uh that i think we wanted to touch on you you mentioned last time about ellie's character um and her uh, color scheme actually having some significance. Her and her gear, um, and I, I know you wanted to say a little bit more about that. So maybe we could go back to Ellie for a little bit here. Um, what what do you think is significant about her uh, character design and and what it might refer to?
1: Well, she has this. Um, her hair is sort of uh, the same color as a lion, Right. and her her omni gear is called. Uh, el regulus regors and that's a prominent star in the constellation leo okay and this is this was not my um discovery but some someone pointed out that uh, within uh, gnosticism there is this sort of uh, symbolism of this uh, demiurge which is sort of the lower god the sort of um, resembles uh, deus in synogus uh, uh, that's the parallel ah, and, okay. and this uh, entity has the upper body its upper body resembles a lion and its its lower body resembles a snake cool and there's another character another female character in the game that has um, whose symbolism is the snake
0: It's miang right yeah. Right. Yes. And they're kind of the counterparts to each other. Um Ellie and Miang, it seems like um, Yeah,
1: it's similar to Fei and Id or Fei and uh, Graf. Oh yeah. Both main characters have sort of a, a sort of dark uh, doppelganger.
0: Yeah, and so Fei has this martial artist kind of quality to him um and he uses the same fighting techniques as id and graf uh also wise man of course uh there's a very complex uh, character thing going on there but but ellie and miang um miang never seems to attack you in battle she only um supports uh ramses who is her technically her commander as she calls him um but uh, she i'm pretty sure i might be wrong but i think that she is also one of the final bosses is that right yeah, no okay. Okay, good. And um uh, and her her kind of snake symbolism, uh she is very subtle. She's very kind of conniving. Um she actually uh ca- casts a kind of hypnotism over Ellie um for part of the the conflict there in the Thames um chapters. Um so she yeah, I could see her having that snake-like quality. Ellie's attacks are these kind of elemental? Um, they they use different elements, um, but she also has, of course, the the air rods, which are um, like her her power that she can unleash, kind of in the way that later on Faye will unleash the the id um, power from his gear. Yeah, uh, she
1: she goes a bit uh, berserk with these uh, dr- drugs,
0: also. Yeah, right. The drive. Yeah, yeah. And so she has these kind of flashbacks to, to some horrible um, crime that she committed while she was on the drive uh, up in Solaris at some point. Um, yeah, so her as the kind of lion, Miang as the kind of serpent, um, together would make up the the demiurge then, is, is kind of the argument that you're... Uh, yeah, exactly. You're
1: this, I don't, I'm not sure how uh, famous this entity is. It's... Uh... It's it is slightly obscure, and so I'm not even sure it's intentional, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's intentional. Right.
0: right. Uh, there are a lot of uh, definite references to religion and to more of the esoteric um, alchemy and Gnosticism and things of that sort as well. Um, in terms of the, uh, the way that that fits in with the story, I think that is part of what makes it so interesting and and at times confusing um to try to figure out here um but there's I guess there's a number of different elements that enter into this um this conversation about sort of what makes this story so interesting so uh worth studying um and I know that's something that you have thought about quite a bit um you mentioned you're working on a new article um to go with the ones that you already have on your website, uh, could you talk just a little bit about kind of where your thoughts are right now?
1: Yeah, it's a story analy- analysis um, section or page. I'm not sure how, how if I'm going to split it up into several parts or just do one long. Um, but it's uh, yeah, I'm basically trying to. Uh, re-understand the game from a more uh, i guess you could say uh precise uh standpoint uh, uh i know that in recent interviews uh, Takahashi has said uh, that um, he always wanted to create a, create a world and he, he as as uh, when he was younger he felt uh, very uh inferior I guess something like that and he felt uh, he actually he has said that he that the character that most resembles him is Ramses and I wondered about that like at first I didn't think it made sense Uh, and why would he why would he uh, uh, identify with this uh, sort of uh, elitist uh, character uh, uh, but then, I, but then I began to remember that oh yeah, he gets kicked, kicked uh, around a lot, and uh, he always has to struggle with being called garbage, right. and um, I, that that might be why he identifies with him. He, and he Takashi has also said that because of this sort of in, inferior inferiority complex, uh, because supposedly he grew up with uh, with a family that was very competitive. Uh, and he never liked that or, or he always felt like he wanted to es- escape from that but uh, he says that nowadays uh, perhaps he's trying to create all these worlds and sort of be, be like the god of these worlds oh, to yeah. sort of uh, uh, compensate for that or something like that and so he sort of said uh, that uh, he desires to create the entirety of a world and I find that an interesting angle to pursue in terms of um, re-analyzing Xenogears. So I sort of got some new material to, also, to work with from, uh, from the latest interviews that I uh, and I feel like uh, I always always struggle to identify what it was that sort of made Xenogears stand out from other games. Even what makes it stand out from, from its uh, sister series, Xeno Saga. Uh-huh. And I, I really think it has a lot to do with this sort of dark uh, apocalyptic uh, uh, dystopic uh, 1984 uh, Brave New World uh, themes.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So the the two sides of that I'm seeing are sort of the psychological side, which might drive some of uh, Takahashi's creativity. Right. That that sense of wanting to create a whole world. Um, and to get to be sort of the demiurge, right, or even the god of that world. And then the sort of social or sociological side of it, too, where you have those elements of dystopia and of um, the the brave new world or the 1984, you know, those kind of elements of politics um, that are are helping to make that world feel, um, yeah, dark, real, uh, sort of a place where interesting stories uh, would happen um, th- those two sides of that both seem very important there. Um, it's interesting how they sort of come together in a in a character like Ramses, right? Who's from the um, the other floating city Solaris, right? Which is sort of controlling everything behind the scenes. Um, I I don't remember exactly how Ramses's story um, fits together. I, I know that yeah he does seem very uh, concerned about Faye being in the way of him achieving his his uh, full potential, um, he has he has his flashbacks right of battling against uh, Id there in um, in Elru. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember where exactly that is, but uh, I know that that <laughs> that must have been a really traumatic experience for Ramses. Uh, it seems like he. He dreams about it, right? It, it, it wakes him up uh, from nightmares. Um, but yeah, but he, he is a kind of um, almost a figure of uh, not exactly comic relief, I wouldn't say, because he, he's, there is a sort of uh, pathetic quality to him, right? You, you sort of pity him um, because he, you know, he wants so badly to be great and powerful. Um, right. But early at least, you know, Faye slash id gets the better of them in all of their their fights at least early in the game
1: yeah he starts out really really confident and uh uh you know people sort of admire him sort of he he is good with with women and he never <laughs> hurts he never hurts a woman, and that's very that particular detail is pretty interesting if you watch what happens to him hmm
0: okay yeah and well, he is. Yeah, he's almost very arrogant at first. Um, he treats his inferiors uh, without much concern. But as you say, uh, the women around him do seem to always want to impress him, right? Uh, as you are met the the elements, girls, I think are are definitely comic relief. Um, they're they're sort of silly, uh, and as you're as you're introduced to them, um, they each try to sort of prove themselves to the commander, right? Um, and, uh, and this has some some uh, interesting consequences. Um, Dominia is probably the most uh, serious of the Four Elements girls, but even so, she becomes a bit of a figure of fun.
1: Yeah, she was from Elru, too, I think.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So uh, Rams has picked her up. um uh after uh, her town or her city or her land, perhaps it is, it's a, It's a bit difficult to to sort of get the sense of scale. Uh, if, if there's something I sort of feel is uh, uh, a weakness of Xenogears is that um, they don't really go all the way with the potential of this uh, planet, this world. It doesn't really feel, uh, it feels a bit sort of scarce or, or empty. Yeah for such a uh, large story. But on the other hand, um, the places you do visit just get a lot of detail. So, Solaris, for example, is, is very detailed. and uh, it, it really feels like a, a real society almost. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that's, that's the compromise. But, you know, a lot of uh, games uh, back then were like that.
0: You, Yeah, I think there's there's a real... Um, difficulty of of managing those two levels of scale. Um, I think it's actually maybe a, a sort of an analogy to that, that aspect of the psychological and the social, you know, the individual and the society. You see it in the same way with trying to get the right balance between um, giving a, a lot of detail in the places that you can explore, but then also giving you a lot of different places to be able to explore, right? And and I think I'd agree that in terms of Xenogear's world map, a lot of it is actually pretty empty. You know, you, you don't meet uh you don't encounter a lot of towns or places to explore really um in wide swaths of the game. It's just water or just empty terrain that you're kind of passing over. Right. Uh, Especially equity. But- yeah, it's <laughs> really really empty. It's it's just the
1: orphanage and uh, the church and the uh, Babel Tower.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I had forgotten actually how fun the Aquavy chapters are. Um, I really enjoy that part of the game. Uh, from when you you crash land on the Goliath airship, um, and you have these these interactions between Faye and Ellie on their little bit of of wreckage. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> Uh, meanwhile you know Bart and everyone else is aboard the the new submarine that he has just happened to discover which is that's a bit uh, that's a bit contrived (laughs) it's absurd I mean it's um it's exactly the same in every way to the other ship that got sunk except it also can go underwater so that's really convenient right (laughs) Uh, but anyway so um, some of those those moments um, with uh, Faye and Ellie, I think are are some of the the most touching in the game. Um, at least up to this point, you have you have a few you know really important interactions between them. Like starting from when they first meet in the forest, um, they're alone together there, right? They have a conflict, and then Satan shows up and sort of smooths things over and and sends Ellie on her way. They meet again. Um, during the battle, um, that is supposed to bring Bart back to the throne, but ends up having this disaster where I.D. goes on a rampage. Um, but Faye there again, gets to sort of try to convince Ellie to leave Solaris to, to come and fight alongside him for a good cause. And she can't do it yet. She's not willing to abandon her, um, responsibilities. And then there's this turning point in the Kislev chapters, which uh, I think everybody who plays this game is really happy to get out of Kislev finally. Uh, mm-hmm. At least that's been what I've sort of heard. But the the moment when you do finish up Kislev is is really striking. You have this this night purge, right? Yeah, and... that,
1: that's a really that's a really interesting part uh, when Graf appears and. Uh... Protects Ellie and all that stuff. And also that dialogue they have. That exchange. Um, I remember that very uh, vividly. There's no music. There's just just this sort of. A flowing wind. And uh, they have their gears. Are sort of just hanging around. Right. As they uh, converse. And uh, uh, Ellie s- says something. That is very I think. Um, I really liked the dialogue there. Where she uh, says that. eh uh, even though and this is it's very interesting because he's he has just uh, gotten out of prison i mean he has, he's been a prisoner and yet she tells him that he is more free than her
0: exactly exactly that's his 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 problem is that he has nothing right to um belong to no place to belong and she says that's exactly what makes him so free right he yeah. he, he can't see it that way but she can because she's the opposite in a way she has this place, but she, uh, can't make her own decisions or so that's what she thinks. Right. But she, he sort of shows her that, uh, that she can, um, and she chooses at that point, she finally chooses to, uh, leave the, um, the Solaris, the Gebler way of, of trying to control things. She fights back, right. By pushing against the, uh, the airship bomb, the, the that's, that's headed for the reactor. Um, and yes, in that in that moment, Graf comes to the rescue. It's it's very unexpected. Uh, it's this kind of side of Graf that we haven't seen before, also. Um, yeah, and then when he
1: shows up on the uh, on the Goliath before they are shot down, <laughs> yeah. He also uh, he attacks uh, uh, Faye and the other party member, but he doesn't touch Ellie, even if you have her as, uh, as a party member in the in the fight.
0: Yeah. Now that's, she notices that, she points that out um, in case the character, or the player, rather, in case you playing the game didn't notice that was going on. She ah. m- makes a point of, of mentioning it and is very sort of concerned about it and, and wondering right. what's going on. I uh, remember, now, now that you mention it,
1: I remember it, yeah.
0: Yeah, but it, it is striking um, that Graf seems to have this soft spot for Ellie um, that I think becomes... More important when we learn about Graf's origins uh later on um, I, he <laughs> hes he sort of sets himself apart though by fighting against gears without using his gear in that fight um, which is you know what we saw from Ramses's memories that's what it does too right uh and and Graf was there watching and uh yeah that i mean that just sort of like shows you how cool he he is um but also a little bit maybe uh uh impractical right because he does he does get um uh knocked off the ship uh by satan and then he gets shot in the face by hammer with the <laughs> with the ship's guns i love that part it's so hilarious yeah. uh, hammer man uh he he is definitely uh, an interesting character. Um, uh, so, I think we should talk a little bit about Kislev, at least, um, before we move on into the the events in Aquavie, uh more in-depth. Um, Kislev, like I said, is kind of less fun than other parts of the game. I don't know. Was that your experience?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I can understand why. I mean, it's the sewers, particularly, and uh, the fact that, I mean, the, the gear battling is... Uh... Okay, it's a bit repetitive, but it's that yeah. part is sort of fine. But it's uh, you, you also have to have um, Rico with you, and he's sort of slow and and that sort of thing. But but otherwise, I don't think it's it's that bad. No, I, I mean I, I, now, now now that I know what's going to happen, I I can endure it much easier. But I guess the first time I I don't remember. I don't, I wasn't really that first frustrated with it, but uh, but yeah, I can see why uh, why it's not uh, popular.
0: I think yeah, I agree. It's uh, partly it's a f- a problem that I have with Rico's character, but also a problem I have with with Hammer um, as well. Uh, he he's pretty annoying to me. Uh, the way that he sort of inserts himself into everything. I, I think he's intended intended to be that way, um, to try to sort of uh, get the player uh, engaged in um, phase emotions to an extent or something like that. Um, the sewers I found really frightening. I I just, I didn't like that part. Um, it was too scary for me as a kid. Um, and it goes, it's very long, you know, it's a pretty difficult dungeon, um, up to that point. And the boss, right? Redrum, uh, is easily the hardest boss up till that point in the game. Um, but his, his story I think is, is a good one of, of kind of redeeming. Um, what's going on there? but But Rico's kind of backstory, I never felt like was was developed enough in a way. Um, like i didn't I didn't get the sense that he was as fully realized a character as Bart or Satan, um, much less Faye or Ellie. Uh, I just thought maybe his his story was a little bit rushed there uh, and could have been sketched in a little bit more. Um, yeah,
1: I, I agree. I agree with
0: that. And it, it, it's because um, then, you know, you you learn a little bit about the church and its activities in Kislev, how they um, are sort of in this struggle with the, uh, the Kaiser, um, but it's not really uh, tied together that well for me with what you learn about the church, a.k.a. the ethos. Um, down there in aquavy where where that story of Billy's I think it's a lot more um, a, a lot more space you know there, there's a lot more focus on Billy as sort of an important character um, than than yeah. you get with go
1: his father is uh, one of the old elements uh, along with Sigurd and um, Hugh yeah which is Sitan
0: yes those I think that is part of it, right? Billy has his sister, he has his father, he has the orphanage, um, and of course the the bishop that he looks up to who turns out to betray him, right? There's a lot of things about Billy that that help to um, round him out as a character. And Rico yeah. is, is just really, you know, he doesn't have anything like that. He He's just, he has nothing really. Um, I, I just felt like that was a that was kind of a shame um, that we don't get to see more from, from his story. But, but uh, yeah.
1: If I remember correctly, I think this is said in the book. I'm not sure if this is uh, really comes across in the game. But uh, when he was small, uh, the ethos, uh, basically, it was the church that turned him into a um, mutant. Oh. In order to uh, get back at uh, the Kaiser, because the Kaiser was at odds with the church.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I... I remember uh, there's these flashbacks that you see from Rico um and about how he notices that he's starting to change right into right. a mutant um he's alone because his mother uh has run away from the kaiser at that point um but but it's not really explained why he has turned that uh turned that way at least not yet in the story I don't remember uh-huh. I mean the
1: way the story is told it's like uh... It just seems that like, like certain people turn into a mutants. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like random. Like some people become dwarfs in real life.
0: It's yeah, it's just sort of an accepted part of the world that there's these yeah. people. But who... I'm
1: not sure that's that was intended because I think the whole idea was to uh, the reason why some people become mutants is because of experimentation by Solaris. Right. So I think that nobody really turns into that by accident.
0: Right, right. That, yeah. I think that point you mentioned about the way the story is told, um, that's something that I find very interesting. As much as I like the content of the story, you know, and trying to figure out sort of what's the truth, you know, what's the real story here. Um, I also really like the way that the story is told, which which leaves these kinds of um, spaces for you to, to do that interpretation. And of course, the way the story is told is primarily through the game, right? Like you're playing, you're exploring, um, you can talk to all these characters and get a lot of dialogue, but you really don't have to, I mean, you can still enjoy playing the game, um, just on the basis of stuff between the main, you know, the, really the main characters. Um, if you just pay attention to that, um, you get the main story. But, of course, if you go around and talk to everybody and and really explore, then you get that sense of of the world you know like you're talking about that seems to be the creator's goal is to to give you this feeling of a whole world, a whole universe um and I think it's it's really remarkable for all the for all the weaknesses the game might have that mode of storytelling is just uh really powerful in in this game um I wonder if that is something that um you know. The the creator was was intentionally sort of drawn to about video games as a, as a storytelling medium. I don't know if that's something he brings up at all in in those interviews.
1: No, I don't, I'm not sure that he uh, entered the video game industry with the intention of uh, of making stories. Mm. Uh, that's not the impression I have got. But uh, it seems that he did sort of. Uh, after working on uh, three F- final fantasy games he did want to create his own world uh, and i'm not sure you know if he really h- how long he had that uh, desire it might have uh, sprung up during uh, during uh, uh, his his work on video games that, but yeah. um i think that we, but you you're right a very interesting dialogue just from the npcs <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, some of the um, some of the ways that that takes place um, again on the Thames uh, or the Thames, I, I go back and forth on pronouncing that like the British way or just you know the way that it looks on the screen. But but anyway, as you're as you're exploring this other giant ship um, floating on the sea instead of in the air, you, you run into all these really strange people. Um, you know, they're sort of uh, people who are there uh, trading and and you know doing business. People who are there salvaging treasures from the bottom of the sea. But also, there's sort of these there's characters who are just looking out the windows, um, which I love. You know, they're sort of just looking out and, and kind of contemplating things, um, thinking about those floating cities that they can see in the sky, or thinking about Babel Tower, um, oh. this, this tower that's so tall that you can't see the, yeah. the top of it.
1: Yeah. It's been a while since I played uh, through *Sinus*. So I don't remember exactly how they uh, staged the the NPCs and such. Uh, I do remember that it was this uh, uh, guy sitting in the elevator, sort of drunk <laughs> or passed out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because you have to, for whatever reason, the way the elevator works is by spinning around like a spiral, yeah. right? And so there's this drunk, yeah, who's sitting there, and he says, "Please don't spin it. Please don't spin it." And then, of course, you have to spin it to uh, to go anywhere. It has to it has to spin. And so then he he cries out as he go, He cries out in pain. Uh, gosh, it's so hilarious. Of course, not um,
1: everything. Of course, not everything was uh, was written by Takahashi. Uh, right. There's they had several sort of event planners who sort of wrote minor characters.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the, also aboard the the ship, there um, you might remember. There's the mini game with the cards. Where you play, um, you play cards by running back and forth across the cards, nice. and and, and Big,
1: Big Joe is there and plays with you yes. uh, somewhere. I think. I mean, he you he, you come across him at each new city or country you arrive at.
0: Yes, and he he is one of my favorite characters. I think uh, Big Joe, the the wanderer, he's sort of your alter ego in a way, right? Because he's just kind of this free spirit. Um, yeah. Having his own adventure uh, apparently while you're I having. Think the... he, I think he's the
1: major comic relief in, in the game.
0: Yes, yes, he's he's got the uh, he's got the inside information like Hammer, but he's not annoying in the same way to me at sure. least as as Hammer is. Um, yeah, and Big Joe, I mean, he's got a really really great piece of equipment that you win if you beat him at cards. Um,
1: I don't I don't recall that part Uh, yeah you
0: you get a you get a a key item or not a key item but but you know like a useful piece of equipment from each of the people that you uh, beat at cards and so uh, one of them is like uh, some shoes that make you go a lot faster in battle one has something that helps you evade attacks Um, the Queenie gives you the the death blower level one right so you can use a lot less fuel and deal a lot more damage with your death blow but then Big Joe has got the long dark coat and it oh. uh, it boosts your attack and uh and i think your ether defense or something like that but it, it's pretty it's pretty rad <laughs> so he's the last one in that uh, yes cardigan. okay yes and he's you know he's kind of hiding up on top of the the submarine so he's kind of hard to find um yeah he's sort of like provides these these side quests um but also like he, he's a sort of a poet. You know, he's He's got a way with words. Um, yeah. He talks about, you know, um, you know, exploring that one alley alleyway in Kislev, and and you can find um, a music uh, a jukebox disc back there, but not the first time you look, right? He swindles you, and then you realize yeah. that he actually he does have something back there that you can find later. Um, yeah, I just I find that so so amusing, but also like there's a kind of a depth to it, um, much like that that character in the pub back in Lahan, right there's there's these kind of secrets that are that are hiding in plain sight um, throughout the game, uh, which I love. Um, now, so we we mentioned Big Joe, you you save him from the the basement of the ethos headquarters also. Um, but down there you also you get this kind of long um re- re- revelation of what Solaris and the ethos are really up to um, that part of the game. You know, if, if the stuff about Rico is like too short, you don't get enough about him. Um, I felt like the part, the part there in the ethos headquarters, you get a little too much information there for my liking. Um, it, it really, it really washes over you um, at that point in the game. Uh, and I thought, uh maybe maybe could have been uh shortened a little bit and like spread out over a few other uh events perhaps but but anyway you know this is where sort of the um the truth uh starts to emerge um what what did you think about that that point in the story where you you learn what the ethos is really up to
1: well um you mean the first time yeah, <laughs> yeah. Quote unquote, I'm not sure brilliant. I can. I'm not sure I can recall exactly, but I did. Uh, I was uh, I was into the story, and I really found found this. Well, uh, I, I guess in some sense it was sort of expected uh, that uh, the church would be sort of connected with uh, Solaris. Uh, I don't think that I sort of was surprised at that. But I did sort of like that uh, it, it did feel like the, like the plot was moving. And I do think that there needed to be something like that uh, there. Uh, for, because there's a lot of people who feel that Sinogears didn't really grab them until uh, Solaris, for example. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to me, the, uh, I was pretty hooked uh, uh, early on, um, I, I mean, I didn't really have that high expectations either. You know, I was pretty new to RPGs, but uh, so I guess in some sense I was sort of easy to um, please at that point. But um, for those people who may may have been more jaded and uh, sort of uh, used to RPGs, it, uh, they may have needed something something that is sort of uh, Gave you some sense of uh, where the story was going and what the central conflict was and, uh, and things like that, because Solaris was still sort of a secret or hidden at that point. I do know, We don't know about the name, uh, but I can't recall exactly when, I guess, Sigurd uh, told some story about uh, Solaris uh, before they tried to take back the throne.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Right, I remember this sort of m- music, yeah, I think it's called the the jaws of Ice, or something like that,
0: right, yeah, and they, it's sort very... of this,
1: uh, they pan around the sky and you don't see anything like oh it's hidden in the sky, exactly so, yeah, I, yeah, they did manage to build up Solaris to be this sort of really scary place. That's what I remember for my first time, the first time I was going to go there, I thought, oh, wow. You know the the game really felt long, and it felt like yeah, this could almost be like the the last episode of the first season of a television show or something.
0: Absolutely. And, yeah. and yet
1: I'm I'm still on the first disc, and I'm going to this really scary place where people have been talking about where people be, get brainwashed and turned into mutants and things like that. So, so that, yeah. was, it, it,
0: that that seems right. Yeah, like the the sort of the arc of the story is is tending towards solaris being um kind of this big bad uh place um but i i guess i feel like the way that that is um telegraphed to you you know it's communicated to you really really overtly um down there in the ethos headquarters um, right
1: but what what i thought was pretty interesting and what i was intrigued by um... Uh, or what I liked about that scene uh, when this is revealed is not so much that uh, the church is connected with Solaris, but that uh, the church is also trying to break away from mm. so that they are sort of, sort of in uh, engaged in internal conflict, and that's why they send all these sort of assassins to purge the yeah. church.
0: That's right. No, that is a good point. Um, that, that those two things sort of come out back to back there and you almost learn about the the wells at that point but um but not quite um and and so yeah there there is a sort of way that 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 revelation gets gets spread out a little bit more um and and so then you spend a while chasing bishop stone whose real name is stein of course uh and you you follow him to uh, the dig site, right? Um, that's that's where um, I I felt like uh, the game really began to feel uh, epic. You know, was when you right. you you go down and down and down, yeah. and you come to you come to that sort of that background that you can that see bridge, that breathes that Yeah,
1: I really like that part, and also and when. Ellie starts getting these sort of uh, memories, and she she talks like she's been there. Yeah. I was I also really intrigued by that the first time.
0: Yeah, ex exactly. I I think that is kind of what hooked me to the game, though was was the characters. You know, Faye and Satan and Ellie. Um, the characters really drew me in, but the the sort of scale of that story. Um, really begins to take shape there. I think when you, you think about the time scale of, of 4,000 years, right. Which, um, yeah. is much, much greater, uh, than anything we've heard about up till that point, but also, um, sort of the, the way that that, that's just one building, right. Of this whole huge city that you can see down there, um, that you explore, you know, for an hour, at least trying to get to the bottom of it. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, down there you have yeah that flashback of of ellie and and Fay um in the chamber um she she can't seem to really confront uh the truth of what's what she's remembering at that point uh or she doesn't have access to it yet um but that that does seem like um setting up sort of the next pretty long arc of the story which is um to do with you know what what human beings really are right the, this this nano machine um with the wells the reapers um and and Solaris's role in that um and also just um you know the the nature of of Faye's and ellie's memories right we we sort of kind of we delve into those a bit more um in the second half of the story um, but yeah but um with uh with Shavat. At the top of Babel Tower, um, do you remember much about that area? Like e- exploring it and talking to people up there. Yeah. Uh, how far did you uh, get? I that is that's right where I am at this point. Is I'm I'm in Shavat. I haven't yet gone to the palace, but I'm just oh. in the the old capital city, um, running around talking to everybody. Uh, that that is one of my favorite parts of the game. It, it's it's so sort of tranquil, um, but also you, you get this this incredible sense of uh, of history there too right that, yeah. yeah
1: you yeah there's a lot of interesting uh, things uh, if you talk to all the nPCs yeah and um yeah you learn a lot about uh, especially the war five hundred years ago and that is sort of the the midpoint uh, this uh, where they where uh, you know up, to, up until this point, it, it has sort of been sort of like a, the, the characters have been reacting mm-hmm. to things happening to them. And uh, now that they ha- have these allies with the Shevat, they start to take uh, proactive action much yes. more. And uh, I I think that uh, you get access to, they remove uh, a limiter yeah. at the end of Shevat. And uh, then you get access to more
0: uh, death blows. Which is exciting, right? I mean, to feel uh, the the power of having one more uh, action point. And I think I has.
1: think it is those death blows that you can uh, get uh, when you use them in your gears. You get to infinity, right levels.
0: Right. Yeah, and so we're at that point where we're going to start hunting down uh, anima relics uh, and getting omni gears. Uh, yeah, all all of the kind of the the scale of, of your power up to this point in the game is about to be completely shifted. Um, now, I have a question. When you played this game, did you know the trick about going back to Nissan to purchase the Ether Doubler? Did you do that when you played?
1: Uh, I I did that once uh, on one of my la- later playthroughs. Yeah. Uh, I played the game of, uh, quite a few times, uh, probably nine or ten times. Times at least uh, over the years, I, I think the last time I played it was in 2012 or something like that, or even further back. But maybe, uh, maybe even before 2010. But before that, I had played it, uh, but not the first time I played it. Uh, I did not know about that.
0: I know. Yeah. See, I never did this before, but um, it it makes the game way easier. <laughs> like... Once you once you equip that, uh, it makes Babel Tower way easier. It makes fighting bosses way easier. Um, it, it's almost yeah. It's almost like cheating, though. I feel like if you, um, it, it's so well hidden, uh, right? Like you again, it's one of these things you can see it there in Nissan. It's in the shop. It just costs so much money that you you know probably can't afford it at that point. Um, but if you go back once you have The submarine at your disposal it's it's very affordable um for what you're getting it's it's super worth it it saves a ton of time in the long run um but yeah it just reduces the challenge quite a bit um so it yeah i i I, i'm sort of 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 two minds about it i'm not sure whether i like it or not um but i'm definitely using it this time (laughs) did you have a lot of a challenge the first time Oh man, yeah. See, like I said, I couldn't even beat the game. It it keep, it got too hard for me at the end. Right. And uh, how I, and long did. in the be- beginning did
1: you? How long did it take you to learn to um, upgrade your gears, like the engine things like that? Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah. See, I I didn't really understand like anything that was going on with um, engine output, or right. like all I could tell was like HP and fuel are really good. So I went for those. But engine output is so much more useful, right? Like the power of your attacks, response, right? To go fast and evade attacks is so useful. These are things that they really aren't explained that well in the game. So,
1: uh, I yeah. mean, it took me. You know, I was at uh, I was at um, Kislev when uh, Ellie and her her unit attacks you, and you are Faye, and you have to fight them one on one. Right. Even up to that point, I thought. I thought uh, something is strange with this game because I just can't, uh, I can't defeat these guys. It's really hard. I mean, I had even defeated the the first time. It's really hard. If you don't know how to upgrade. So I I, I was quite surprised in uh, retrospect, how far I was able to go without (laughs) upgrading any of my gears. But uh, then uh, I sort of figured out that something, there must be something with this uh, because this seems strange that it's, it's this hard. And uh, yeah. And then when, once I found, figured it out, I, I defeated them uh, very easily. So that was, uh, I think that was the trickiest part. There are a few bosses towards the end on the second disc that are quite hard as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, I I even had, at one point, I had the strategy guide to this game, like uh, the the official strategy guide. Um, and I still, like, it just became too difficult towards the end of the game. I, I wonder. Um, If part of me also just didn't want to finish the game, like I didn't want it to to stop, you know And so I quit it at at a point where I was like I put in, you know 60 or 70 hours I was at the last dungeon, but I just couldn't bring myself to to uh, To find the end Um, But I'm determined this time. I'm definitely gonna get through to the end of the game. So I'll finally see what happens and see the truth of uh, the truth behind the, the revelations uh, uh, that we get in Ethos headquarters. So, uh, all right, well, I, I should let you go here, AC. Um, were there other topics from the first half of the game you wanted to make sure we, we touched on here?
1: Well, uh, there's one thing that I am personally very interested in, all which I have become very that uh, it changed my view of the game a lot uh, since uh, the first time I played it. But uh, uh, it is this—it's uh, very subtle in the game, and it is partly lost because of the translation error. But mm-hmm. at, the, at the beginning of the game, when uh, the emperor and Sitan talks about the time of the gospel. Oh yeah. In the English version, they say that uh, he says that that is our final prayer. But in uh, the original Japanese, he says, if that does not happen, and then uh, Sitan contemplates, if that doesn't happen, then uh, are we doomed or something like that? Mm-hmm. And basically, there is a time limit. There is some sort of time limit that uh, Deus absolutely needs to be resurrected before 10,000 years has passed. And... uh so that's uh, one of these details that sort of got lost slightly in the, partly in the translation, but I also think that it was very obscure even in the original Japanese. Yeah. and uh, this is not something that is actually explained in the game, which is why I'm uh, mentioning it. Uh, but uh, keep uh, keep that in mind when you see all these conversations between the the Ministry and Kane and Quellian and all of these. They okay. talk about, uh, it comes up later they talk about how oh, you're starting to feel the pressure uh, and things like that uh, there, there is something going on there uh, and um, well there are hints and of course uh, it is sort of revealed in the Sino saga okay yes it, i am
0: i very cons- i'm very curious to see what the stuff the ministry and kane are talking about is all about uh, because I totally do not remember they they throw out so many bizarre terms, um like time of the Gospel, which clearly means something, but it it's not clear what
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, okay, yeah, um, and then yeah, with xeno saga that like i like i said i I played the first episode but never played the rest, um. I, I really need to go back and, and replay those at some point. Uh, and they can
1: be slightly painful to uh, to get through. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they are even more of a mess than Xenu uh, than, uh, <laughs>
0: uh But it's it's a beautiful mess, is what I like to call it, uh, I, I think. So I appreciate it again, AC. Um, we will talk again at least one more time um, yeah. before the end here. Sure. Before before 10,000 years have passed,
1: <laughs> okay? Before the time of the gospel. <laughs>
0: yes. All right, take it easy. Thanks again.